And here we are, ready for another episode of the Jay and Rob Toy Show. But I'm not your only host today. I am, of course, Rob McZob. And let me bring on one of my collaborators, the man himself, Jay Bartlett. Here he is, folks. What are you laughing about already? What's so funny? <laughs> I, don't, I don't look like that. No, I wish you did. This is the, uh, the style. This is how we do it. This is full-on station rock and roll mode. This is how we do it. Scarf's on, dollies out. You I don't know look, how you do it. It's pretty you hot in here. It's like that Bugs Bunny cartoon with the abominable snowman. He's like, boy, it's hot. That's what this feels like. Huh. I have to emerge yeah, from is, this scarf cocoon. That hair of yours is getting out of control, man. It's wonderful. Oh, it's, it's going to match your scarf soon enough, I'm sure. There we go, the volume. There, you go. there we go. That's better. So, hey, Adam, thanks for watching. So, welcome to the Jay and Rob Toy Show. This is a special episode because we've got two fun guests coming on in just a few minutes. We have Jordan Morris and Mr. Glenn Stanway in the green room who are going to talk to us tonight about the exit strategy the collecting exit strategy how does this possibly end how does this collecting thing that we all love and endure and come obsessed with come to an end or does it we shall explore all this and more so this is another uh housekeeping task where i gotta ask if you're listening on the audio side please give us some reviews please make sure you're subbing and letting everybody know what uh, what's going on and how you feel about the show, because the more reviews that are out there, the more people are going to be inclined to listen to it. So help us out with a review and a rating. If you're on the video side, give us a thumbs up, hit the subscribe button, hit the little bell icon so you get notified when we go live for our particular brand of mayhem. Jay, wow. please take a moment, now that all the dirty work is done, to introduce yourself and tell us, how the hell are you doing, brother? I'm good. Uh, I am trying to find my way through this very strange world. Tighten that scarf, kid. There oh, you go. Tighten, tighten that scarf. Um, yeah, we just, here in our hometown, we just got locked down on the 26th, which is very strange, and uh, trying to navigate through that. Uh, wishing I was, you know, somewhere sunny like California, um, that kind of thing, you know, so... Yeah, other than that, I'm good, man. I'm just doing a review, and I'll show you the figure, actually, that I'm doing the review on when we do our spotlight. But uh, Oh, cool, a little preview. Taking it day by day, yeah. How about you, man? What's up? Yeah, well, you know, Christmas was great. Yeah, it was a bit of a lockdown, quarantine style, but I'll be honest, it was nice. I don't know if you've seen that movie with Vince Vaughn and Reese Witherspoon for Christmases where they kind of dread going to do all the family stuff and rushing around. We couldn't really do that, and there was a blessing in the small quiet <laughs> Christmas, we got to build a massive snow mound in our backyard and go sledding with the kids and, and such. And man, I haven't spent that kind of time outdoors for hours in, in winter since probably I was, you know, 10, 12, unless we were, you know, having a couple soda pops in uncharted territory where we shouldn't have been as teenagers. Oh, wow. But uh, yeah, it was crazy to spend that kind of time outside and actually just have fun. It was cool. We got, we had no snow at all and it was kind of wet and a little bit warm and then christmas eve it just boom it hit Dumped. and it was all night and then all day and it was uh really pretty actually it was really nice i don't like snow i can't stand it but uh it was really nice to look at well if you have two little ones you're 
your opinion on stuff like that changes all the time because when they start smiling and getting out there and they just love to throw snowballs at you and then then they say throw snowballs at me then you become the big snow hero and you get to have yeah. some fun so yeah. that's that's what makes it all worthwhile i don't like getting cold i don't like getting slushy i don't have you know winter snow suit or pants or anything like that you just go out there and love it that's what you do i want to get to the icebreaker and that is what can you remember was your favorite post-Christmas toy acquisition that you got maybe with Christmas cash or gift cards? So I know through my teen years, I'd always get a couple cards that had, you know, a couple 20 stuffed in it or something. You'd go out and you buy something. You know, Boxing Day here in Canada is a big deal. It was yeah. like our original Black Friday. Do you remember anything in particular that you're like, oh, Christmas cash, this is what I want to get? Yeah, uh, that would be the Cobra Night Raven. Oh, which, which I believe was 86. If my awful memory serves me correctly. Um, with Strato Viper. Uh, so the Night Raven, as you know, for anyone who's watching, is one of the most gorgeous G.I. Joe uh, aircraft there is. It's just a huge jet. It's stealth, so it's all black, and the windows are red. And it comes with a little drone pod on the top that you can take off. So it's like two vehicles in one. And of course, in G.I. Joe fashion, typically it comes with that exclusive figure you can't get anywhere else. Uh, and he was a really cool figure. So I got that. I remember that vividly. Yeah. You know, that was one of the few G.I. Joe vehicles I had and, and one that I loved. Because it was yeah. just so massive compared to any other toy that I had. And it's It was so funny. Sweet. It was like the Sky Striker is iconic. It's based off. I'm not sure if the Night Raven is based off a real jet or not. The Sky Striker yeah, is. Yeah, SR-71 Blackbird. There you go. So the Sky Striker is fantastic. And Cobra got the shaft because they got the Rattler, which was an old like World War II kind of mock-up, little tiny little kind of plane thing. And then they got the Night Raven and it made the Sky Striker look like nothing. So Cobra got there. Yeah, it's it's a wicked, it's a wicked vehicle. I want to say hi to everybody that's watching. We've got Adam, Tommy, Lisa, Nelson. Uh, and I'm sure more are going to join us in the chat soon. It's always one of my favorite things to do is interact with everybody when we go live here. Uh, Jay, again, we've got two special guests that we've known for quite a long time. We're going to talk the, col the collecting exit strategy since both of our guests apparently fall into this, this niche thing of getting out of the whole collecting thing. I like to call them quitters, but we'll, yeah. see, we'll see what they think. Um, I did want to ask you about something first. Okay. This goes back to our Haslabs discussion sure. about uh, the Mandalorian ship getting up there. Well, Razor Quest, Razor Crest getting up there. And it's like, you know, I don't want to spend $3.99, but that's not fair. Why can't they just put it out? I happen to notice that a Big Bad Toy Store, one of our favorite online toy platforms, yeah, they currently have Slave One up for pre-order for the Vintage Series. Oh, I didn't series. know that. I didn't yeah, know that. Vintage Series, it's $149. Okay. It's a it's slave one, so it's a fairly big size. It's less than half of the Razor Crest in cost, and it's up for pre-order. Now, I can't remember it. Was this already once released for the vintage series? And is this like bringing it back or I don't believe so. Um it'll be the same mold as probably the rest. I don't believe this one's a one-to-one -one scale. Uh, so it'll be slightly smaller. Um but there was one in the original line. There was the Attack of the Clones one. Then they did another Return of the Jedi one as well. So three to my knowledge, this would be the fourth, I believe. So, okay. Based on that, 
and hey, you might be wrong. Admittedly, I I don't know either. Sure, yeah. Is it not. fair that this goes straight to pre-order? They've committed to producing it at less than half the cost of, of the Razor Crest. The Razor Crest is way bigger, and there's way more to it, though, right? Is there? But, is yeah. there, Jay? You know, you're the big Razor Crest hero. I'm the you big Haslab hero. So you just threw down four hundred dollars, and you don't even know what it does. Oh, I know what that does, but I don't know what Slave One does. You know, by oh, by yeah. comparison. Yeah, um, I think the Razor Crest is honestly a better ship. I just think it's it's got more charm to it. I never was a huge Slave One fan, but one forty one forty nine is about that's where I can stomach it. That's that's about the limit. That's what pretty sure the X Wing was around one twenty nine, but that was yeah. a one to one X Wing. So that's that's, that's Poe's X Wing, right? There was Poe's and there was Luke's as well. They released, um, so that's not a bad price. It's not a bad price. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, I'm, I'm thinking Slave One, and the first, I guess we can talk about spoilers now with Mandalorian since it's already oh, been kind sure of coming on. Yeah. And this isn't even the last episode. This is episode seven um, with uh, Mayfield, Bill Burr's character, and they actually finally show the interior of Slave One and what it's like when it takes off and the whole thing rotates. That's a really wicked shot, man, where... We know it takes off and then it goes like this and you see the crew, the Mandalorian, all those guys sitting there and it doesn't move, but you see the ship rotate. Yeah. It was like a ride, like a Western fair ride or something. It's really, really cool to see that. Yeah. I was, I was a big fan of seeing how they did that. And even more that there's a new behind the scenes documentary on making season two of the Mandalorian, which is done just as a hour, hour, five minute special compared to season one where they kind of broke it down by discipline, looking at directing and shooting and, and whatnot. So if you go on Disney plus and you check out the gallery, it has a season two hour and five minute look at how they did the whole thing. And there's a, there's a good chunk dedicated to how they decided that they were going to do that. And it's all in the volume, but it took a long time for them to figure out how the art spins with the practical and lighting effects. So yeah, I haven't seen that yet. That's really cool. That's cool, man. Yeah, I'm wondering if it. Uh, I doubt it comes with the new Boba Fett, but you want to talk about selling it? If it came with the new Boba Fett with the black cloak underneath, oh man, that thing would just fly off the shelf. Adam, I, wants, I, sorry to yeah. to jump in here. Adam's already piping up. How long will we have new and improved lines come out? How how do Power of the Force collectors feel? So Power of the Force two, the '90s one, uh, where Star Wars came back, and now we're having the vintage series, which is you know a bit of an uptick in in quality i would say mm. um i don't know how long we're gonna have new and improved I, I i'm sure in 15 years or in 20 years we're gonna have a newer line that revisits all the same characters again well with like skin like flesh texture on them or something like that i don't, I don't know they have the hasbro has this new and i say new as of 2019 face mapping technology that they use on Marvel Legends, you know, Star Wars and all that stuff. And it's it's amazing, right. man, compared to the last Jedi stuff that was 2018 that looks like dog crap. It's so bad. Like old boots <laughs> look terrible, man. So they really turned it around, which is great. Um, you're never gonna see it's just like video games are never finished, right? It's like just getting closer to realism and realism. There's always another Mario, there's always another Zelda, yeah, there will always be another Han, there will always be another Luke, another He-Man. You Look know. at the jump from the vintage, the, I mean, I should say the original Kenner stuff, the farm boy Luke to the power of the force, even though he's beefy, he looked a lot better, I thought. And then he just keeps improving, right? So, And yet something like He-Man, look at the original He-Man compared to Origins and people are saying, oh, 
That's dog meat. Give me the origins. The other one, the original is better than this new origins crap. Get, yeah. I don't want this thing. And people are collectors. Vintage ones are kind of divided on the new stuff. Some people want to collect it just because it's new and it's like the original stuff. But I think there's a lot of purists out there that are saying they it doesn't pass the smell test for them. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I'm just going to say, I think people just want to buy that thing they love, right? And I think there's a lot, a lot of uh, draw to that. Yeah, that's fair. Lindsay uh, chimes in and says, toy collecting will never end. It's a never-ending story. I see what you did there. You see I what see I did that. there? This yeah. is what we call a segue. And so with that segue, I'm going to bring on uh, my guest. Now, Glenn Stanway is is there. In, oh, okay, he's just popped on. I'm going to bring him on first. So Glenn Stanway joining the stream. There he is. And look at the stuff <laughs> on you. <laughs> Oh, scarves up tonight! Oh, man. you you guys have never looked so good, man. Look at and you. And let's bring on Jordan Morris too. <laughs> Fuck me! <laughs> I don't know how you wear these in, indoors. It's really, really warm. Four, Mine, fellas, four yeah. scarves. We're ready to talk the talk hey. now. People will take us serious. That's all I gotta say. Cheers, we were guys! On the fence. Cheers. How you doing? Cheers. I don't know if we all got different beverages. I've got my iced coffee. Glenn's got his Guinness. Uh, Jordan's got the Kate. Awesome. So thanks, Jeff, for joining us on this post-holiday discussion. I reached out to you guys very specifically because I think both of you fall into this niche quitter category called... <laughs> um, you, you, you've kind of fallen prey to the exit strategy. Somehow you've managed to get out collecting, sort of. Yeah, sort of. Sort of not. <clears throat> so, yeah, this is the first official meeting of the Scarf Lords. Is that yes, what, Scarf Lords. <laughs> I'm, I'm, ta I'm taking that name. That's my name. Jay Bartlett and the Scarf Lord rock star, Jay Bartlett. Let's do this. I can feel the thunder. Power the scarf, man. I, I think before we can talk exit strategy and how one might go about quitting the collecting game or collecting race, we got to talk about the lifestyle of collecting. How does it begin and how did it begin for you guys? Glenn, let's start with you. When did you realize you were starting to collect? Well, how did that begin? I don't think I ever did realize I was starting to collect. Well, uh, when did it hit you that you're putting dollies on a shelf going, Oh, I got a collection here. <sighs> I, <laughs> I yeah I mean I it wasn't a conscious thing on my part I just I just started having them for me it was um I'm a big Transformers guy I got my I got my buddy Grimlock here uh joining me never heard of him oh I'm big now look I'm, I'm full screen <laughs> um and uh and it really just started to become like every time I saw a new figure for certain characters I would buy that figure and eventually, I just sort of amassed this collection of Star Screams and Primes and Grimlocks and various other offshoots. And then that sort of slowly expanded into kind of getting anything that seemed new and cool. Okay, then. Uh, Jordan, <laughs> yourself, when did you realize that you were collecting? Did you dive into to action figures knowing that you were a collector? Or was it a kid with the collect them all mentality, the Star Wars collect all 52? What was it for you? Oh, let's, let's remember that I'm old. I'm older than you guys. And that word wasn't really getting bandied around. Not with that scarf, you're not. With that scarf, you're young and hip. Hey, man. It's where the power lies. <laughs> um, 
I can only remember a couple lines before Star Wars that I was tinkering around with. I loved the Micronauts. So I can remember hunting those down before Star Wars. But uh, like some of the other people, Star Wars was the first line that was presented in a way that really encouraged you to kind of get them all. Um, I mean, we'd have to do a little research to figure out whether or not there was another line before that that said the real, the actual words collect them all. I know that was the idea for a lot of stuff that came before it, but Kenner's Star Wars line really took it to the next level and encouraged that. And then with all the teasers and mail aways and all that crap, um, it was pretty addictive pretty quickly. And of course, if you're a huge fan of the movies, then you just wanted as much of that in your own space as possible. So I had a collection of Micronauts, and then I started to pull together a pretty decent collection of Star Wars stuff too, really early on, like the original uh, short run. I remember the Christmas season where, you know, the uh, the cardboard-backed piece of crap, you know, was being uh, marketed. <clears throat> Uh, the first mailaways, all that stuff. So that it didn't really strike me though that I was a collector. That that word did not cross my mind. I'm like, I, I didn't think I was collecting toys. I was just getting the next thing. You were that, collecting without being a collector. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it just wasn't a, a term that I was familiar with until I started to hang out with uh, an uncle who was a hardcore collector. Um, who was quite young. He was one of a lot of my brother's, you know, siblings, and he was the youngest of the family. So we weren't that far apart, despite him being my uncle. And he was the owner of a toy store, uh, a comic book store, I should say. So when I got to walk into his room for the first time, that's when I knew what a collector was. I was like, holy God, this is every square inch of a room filled with model kits, fully assembled model kits, hanging from the roof. And then over time, as I remained his friend, it transformed from model kits into toys and other types of collectibles and high-end stuff, helmets, swords from the movies, you know, that kind of thing. So he kind of was my first template as to what a collector was. And I, I never thought that I'd be able to compete with that until I had my own toy store. Now, did he identify as a collector and like you just kind of learned the ropes or was this just like somebody who collected, therefore he was a collector to you without acknowledging it? I cannot remember the first time I heard the word, you know, like, and my, and my father was collecting cars, automobiles, and there were other kind of collections going on. My grandparents collected uh, red rose tea uh, miniatures that would come in the red rose tea boxes. So I, and spoons, collector spoons on my grandmother's wall too. So it's not like I, I didn't know what a collection was, but I, I, I cannot remember the first time where I kind of knew that it was being applied to me as well. Not until, I had the the toy stores. Right, right. Um, now, Jay, I think you've solemnly sworn to never stop collecting. Is this is this accurate? It's, it's kind of my job now, so I don't really have a choice. Was that document I was drunk one day and made me sign? It's like, oh, okay. Well, and, you, have, you have an NDA thing that you can't really you can't, acknowledge. You can't on stop air. doing this stuff. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I collected right away. And I was really bad when I was young. Of course, I had no concept of money. Right? Mom was buying everything, and she bought me everything. But it was the back of the packages, uh, Masters Universe, He-Man, uh, Joe. I would scratch off each one. It's like, okay, I still need Snow Job. I still need Destro. Let's go, Mom. Let's go to Zeller's. Let's go to Towers. Let's go. we got to find these. And she took me, man. So it was, yeah, I, back then, I'm not the same now, but back then I had to have every single character, everyone. Right. 
Now, to all three of you guys, and we'll start with Glenn again. At what point do you guys remember collecting fatigue setting in? Is this something you experienced as an adult, or did you experience it as a kid chasing down figures? When, when did collecting fatigue first set in? Because for me, I think fatigue is the first kind of marker that maybe I, I'm, I'm done with this. So Glenn, did fatigue ever set in for you? And what was that like? Uh, fatigue is actively happening right now. <laughs> it's, it's an ongoing process. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can't say that I ever had the experience that Jay described where, you know, I was going down the checklist on the back of the package and making sure I had every single character. As I said, it was, it was very much around things that I identified with. So as I said, with Transformers, it was always those specific characters who were kind of my favorites or I really had a strong connection with. But yeah, I, I found certainly over the last few years, uh, there's a lot more looking around my home and going, wow, I've, I've got a whole lot of stuff in here. And it would be really nice if we had, you know, space or money in place of said things. But like there's this, I've got, my grandparents old china cabinet behind me and it's literally just full of g1 transformers and they're really just kind of sitting there uh which is kind of heartbreaking to me like I'm, I'm i'm sure somebody would would get something more out of them than i'm getting out of them now and i have i've threatened to uh unload my g1 collection time to time over the last couple of years but uh i, I think i may have to get serious about it so somebody's going to get more enjoyment out of them than i do and and I think it's kind of just a shame to have stuff just sitting there. Um, well, well, Glenn, there's this new series that's out called Action Figure Adventure. Tell me where, all about it. Where these two fellas, they take toys that people no longer have a use for. They take their dollies off their grandparents' shelves, and they put them in their little bag, and they take it and help <laughs> other people with the stuff that means nothing to them anymore. Yeah. Glenn. Yeah. <laughs> I think at some point your priorities either just change or they don't. Uh, and and that doesn't, it doesn't make it, you know, any, any more or less important. It's a, it's a matter of perspective, but I mean, like, especially over the last year, uh, I trade a lot of things I owned for the ability to just travel somewhere sure, and have right. an experience as opposed to just have a thing that's sitting in a cabinet behind me. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's any one thing. It's just kind of a combination of, you know, I'm, I'm maybe at a different point in my life than I used to be. And that doesn't mean that it's wrong to be in that stage. Uh, I know Jay really identifies with that and it's, it's kind of part of who he is. And, and that's that's totally fine. It's just for me, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that ship has maybe sailed. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's, I mean, everybody here knows that I've sold what collections I've had yep. and rebuilt multiple times for the sake of making movies. Because that experience and that whole process is way more important than something on a shelf. You know, it's it's it just doesn't even compare on any level. Jordan, when do you remember fatigue setting in for you in the collecting game? I think it had a lot to do with me moving around a bunch. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I bet. So I had a pretty massive sprawling collection um, for a while. And it got real challenging to continually move. And I didn't remove all that many times, maybe, you know, several times, three or four times over the course of uh, six or seven years, maybe. And moving all that stuff was not fun. It was not a good time. So <clears throat> I started to feel like it was a vulnerability. 
and I was making some pretty massive life choices about where I was going to be and what I was going to pursue and dragging all that stuff around behind me was quite a, quite a hassle. And I didn't see any point in putting it into storage either. So there just came a point in time where I thought uh, suddenly a minimalist kind of lifestyle started to make a lot of sense to me because I had a lot of stuff and I was living in, you know, my toy stores too for years. So I was surrounded by toys all the time. And for a short period of time, at least in this part of the world, I was known as the Star Wars guy, which is not a title I would ever want to go after right now. That would be ridiculous because it's gotten so much bigger. I mean, when I was being called the Star Wars guy, uh, none of the reissues had happened yet. There was still only three movies. And even the expanded universe really had just started to get some traction. So I, I wasn't even reading the books or any of that stuff. Some of the comics, maybe. For Star Wars, I'm talking. Um, but uh, it was a lot. And uh, when I had to shut down the toy stores, that stung quite a bit, too. So there was that kind of personal pain point. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was I was working for uh, the uncle that owned the comic book store and his best friend who had opened an anime shop. So I had the absolute easiest way ever. I had two stores who had rabid fans crawling through it every single day. So I would just take in all of my old toys and put them on the shelf, especially the anime store that was, it's developed into quite a, a hustling shop now, but it was pretty lean. And I was in there at the earliest point when there was just days that would go by without anybody coming in. So I would fill the shelf behind the counter with, you know, my collection and they were gone, you know, like a fully boxed Optimus Prime or, Omega Supreme, all the all, all the assemblers, whatever you wanted, I would just bring in them, and they'd be gone. They'd be gone like within a day or two. Oh wow! So I was out pretty quick, and I just kept a couple <laughs> of boxes of tightly packed stuff that you guys have seen, a um, couple of prototypes, a couple of real oddities, and things that had a real <laughs> particular personal connection to me um, that I could move around quickly, and I was out. Jay, do you recall collecting fatigue setting in for you at any point? Like, when does it get tough and, like, really weigh you down? Almost every single year. Uh, Star Wars has been a part of my life forever, so that's been a constant. Joe Transformers, all that stuff is, is always there, but a lot of the times I'm not actively seeking this stuff, but Star Wars is always there. I would say around the time The Force Awakens came out in 2015 – um, we were getting a lot of reissues of the original trilogy stuff. And I remember I'm, I'll always buy Luke stuff, but I remember like picking up a Han or whatever it was, Leia. And I'm like, how many Hoth Leia's do I have? And I remember holding it in my hand and, you know, the, the sculpt looks slightly better. All right, here's $29 now. Cause they're $29 around that time to 2015 was a really big burnout year. Um, as was 2003, when all that stuff started to come around again, the new, uh, not the new adventures of He-Man. Um, what's it called? He-Man 2002. Uh, just trying to keep up with that surge coming back. It was just too much, which, you know, I blame myself because there's so much great stuff out there. It's really hard for me to say no to something because I grew up with all of that. So it's hard to keep up. I, you know, it's a, it's a pressure I put on myself, I guess. So. Yeah, I would say that I've probably felt more fatigue in the last year and a half doing this series, part and parcel because we are making a show about toys and it gets tiring doing the toy thing 24-7, but then when you're doing it both as your job, 
and then you're doing it for your personal fulfillment and there's a new toy coming out and there's a new toy coming out and there's this new line and then there's this new thing oh take a look at this look at all these points of articulation it gets overwhelming very fast and it's just like oh i gotta put the brakes on but oh you can't stop because if you stop you're gonna miss out on that one thing and boy you're gonna regret it because you have to pay three times as much later so you have to make the choice do i stay on the pony or do I get out of the race? And Jordan, you already talked about your your exit strategy. You had the perfect platform. You'd bring something in, you'd put it up, whoosh, it was gone. Glenn, you're kind of you're not really buying anything new, but you you want to you want to sell. You're you're motivated to sell. You're ready to unload it to two fellas with some action figure TV stuff happening. You're gonna let it go. Is that is that the plan? What are you going to do with your dollies? How, how are you going to get rid of them? I'll take them. Or I'll are you them. out truly? I'll take them. I honestly haven't figured that out yet. Um, it, it, it really is. Uh, it, it's it sounds awful and it sounds incredibly lazy, but the biggest hassle for me right now is just the actual act of getting rid of them. You know, I I would love to have them gone, but. It, it feels like such a daunting process to even begin unloading. And Jordan's nodding his head, so I know he kind yeah. of gets where I'm coming from. But it's just I, I don't want to have to worry about doing all the research and figuring out how much they're worth and, you know, bantering back and forth with somebody and debating prices. And so just it's all so that interesting nonsense. that the investment is going to take you to unload them is greater then the joy is going to be once they're gone. It just, it, it really, it really so does. Right it feels now, like it's going to be such a relief and such a breath of fresh air at, at the point that it's done, but the process of getting there just seems so daunting. Yeah. I've, I've done, I've gone through it a million times. I've, I've sold a ton of cars. I've owned a ton of cars because of, again, you know, what my father kind of introduced me to in that market and selling the car and moving on to the next car is the biggest pain in the ass in the world. And dealing with you know grinders, negotiators, I got no I got no time for it. So when I put mine out, I was like, yeah, you can get one cheaper. But my only question for you is if you want that one because price is X, and if you're not interested in X, then fuck off. <laughs> my God, that's it. See you later. I got no time for you. Do you want that one or do you want the one that's less money somewhere else? See ya. <laughs> Well, that's, 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 I want to take you on a collecting quest, Jordan, because we, we know that that's going to be a short yes and no decision every time we encounter somebody. Gangster quest. Hey, you're going to, you're going to sell me this fucking thing or what are you going to do? Hey, you like these superheroes? What do you know about them? Hey, you want them? No? All right. See ya. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. See if we come people, back here again. Slams door. Most people don't realize that I spent, you know, 15 years of my life in the automotive industry selling cars. So I, I don't enjoy sales, even though I spent a lot of my life there. I just have no patience for it whatsoever. And I can smell a grinder coming. And I know when people just want to come in and try to get you to drop your pants and get it cheap. And I will, I will viciously lash out at people that are attempting that strategy on me. I will not have it. So either you want to pay what I'm asking or you're going to find a different toy to buy or car to buy or whatever it is that we're talking about. So don't come over and then try to lure me into some kind of assumptive clothes or just because they, they prey on, you know, the exhaustion that Glenn is referring to already. Right? You're, you're, you're over it already. You're, you're no longer in love with the item and you do want to sell it. 
So you're asking 300 and they come in, will you give it to me for 150? Because I'm here right now and I got the cash. No, I will give you my boot up your ass if you don't get out of here or give me the money that I want. Yeah. One of my favorite stories that I have with Jordan is when I moved back to Canada, because I'm originally from here, but I lived in Vegas and now I'm back here. When I originally came back, I had to get a new vehicle. And Jordan knows a lot about cars. I do not know a lot about cars. So somehow I either convinced Jordan or he offered. It was a nice guy and he showed up at the dealership with me. We knew somebody that was there. But he basically came on as what he calls a lot lawyer. So basically <laughs> I brought like my lawyer with me to buy a car. And I would kind of look at him and he goes, no, no, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> don't, don't do that. I'm like, no, I just don't want to do this. Let, let's go let's do this. And basically he's like, yeah, yeah, that's trying to psychologically screw you. Don't worry about that. Just, just say no to everything. They're going to try to do these diagrams and all these swirly things on the paper. No, no, don't worry about that. We'll, I, we'll speed that up. I was on the other side of the desk for years. I was yeah. a car sales manager. I'm like, I'm the guy that everybody loathed and I had to get out of it because it was making me sick. So I couldn't lie and manipulate the people anymore. And I, I just will not have it when people try to do it to me. It's where I'm at. It was great. And of course, that whole process that Jordan's talking about, the exhaustion factor when somebody's trying to buy something from you and wear you down, completely got turned on its head during this pandemic when I had to get a new vehicle because it was all done online at my convenience, when I wanted to respond to emails, when I wanted to take phone calls. And they wanted to close a sale before the end of the month. So I just let that 10 day negotiation go on for a while and I had a full cup of coffee and I wasn't signing anything until I was ready. So that's kind of the same thing with toys. Jordan, you're supposedly out of the collecting game. Ha. So you're not, are you still in it? Are you still a collector? I would say, yes. I would say that I've stopped collecting toys for the most part, but I'm still collecting stuff. The last thing, just thinking about it here, what was the last thing that I collected a lot of the same thing of? And at, at this point, it was uh, books. You know, there's a lot of book collectors out there, too. So now I have a particular interest in one subject, and I buy every book that I can find on it, and I read as much as I can so that I can learn as much on it. And I I still get the same kind of uh, satisfaction from it. And, uh, you know, you can see some of the back there, but there's a lot more than that, too. <clears throat> Again, I... I struggle with the minimalist lifestyle, which I prefer, and then all of these kind of tactile things that I like to have. I could buy all these things digitally, but I don't like to read digitally. I like to have them in my hands and page through the pages. So I'm still buying things physically because I cannot get the satisfaction I want doing it digitally. But if I had tons of money, I'd be buying cars. I, I, mean, I still love toys. I love toy design. I love cars. I love car culture. I love... Uh, you know, there's a few things where I could go bananas if I had tons of money, but I, I don't. So there's a limit in my resources and in the time that I have to spend those resources. So I'm I'm living pretty lean and simple at the moment, but But you're not looking at new toy things that come out. I think I would guess that anytime you see a new toy, it's something I send to you to say, Hey, take a look at this. A lot of the time, yeah. But you know, as a as a designer of sorts of my own, I still enjoy the design element of it. And sometimes like back in the day, I would buy stuff that I just thought looked cool, even without any attachment to the character or to the toy line in particular. Yeah. You know, I've, I've still got my, uh, whoop, there he is, uh, King Doc, because that one, I did have a love for the graphic novels that the character appears in, but I also just loved the thing because I'd never seen anything like it. So I wanted to have it. And I, I continue to, 
you know, cherish that particular piece. Um, but most of my stuff is really eccentric. Like, even as a kid, I wouldn't have to buy the whole line. I never remember having a moment where I thought I have to have all of them. That was not the way my brain worked. I would want these two from this line and these two from this line. And then, you know, as a kid, I'd stitch them all together in my own world. I didn't care. But there was something about the aesthetic of the piece, sometimes the play value, the way it moved, the articulation. But sometimes, even if it were just a, a block with like five points of articulation, like the old Star Wars figures, as long as it kind of, I, I don't know, it, you know, it was attractive to my eye, then uh, I would have to have it. Now, it's, it's fun to see you hold a toy in your hand because I see all the sparks firing in your head as you're looking at it, turning the package over, looking at the back, turning it on its side, looking at all the sculpting. So yeah. I can see it in there, but I can also see the resistance. Glenn, we went to Vegas, or you came back with me to Vegas when I lived there in 2015 as part of a convention that we were doing for Nintendo Quest. And at the convention, there was a bunch of Masterpiece Transformers, which was yep. something that really excited you. And that was the first time that I think I... I thought about you in terms of not wanting to collect figures anymore, mainly because of price. They were too astronomical. Plus how are you going to get it back on the plane in good condition with everything else? But yeah, there was a real hesitation with you about acquiring stuff. Is, is that around the time when you started maybe not getting into the collecting thing? That's probably fair. Yeah. Uh, masterpiece transformers were, were the last thing I was buying with any regularity. Uh, and the thing about the ones at the show you were talking about are um, none of those recurrent figures either. So Masterpiece Transformers for those who aren't in the know, uh, Takara in Japan makes a, a series of these things and they're very highly articulated, very cartoon accurate uh, Transformers figures, high-end collectibles. Uh, and they come out in the U.S. periodically, and they're usually Toys R Us exclusive or Walmart exclusive, and they're very, very hard to get for a very brief window of time. So you kind of have to know when they're shipping, and you have to be ready to go grab one, because if you don't, then you know somebody's going to gobble them up and resell them or scalp them or whatever. Uh, that's actually how I got this Grimlock figure right in front of me, actually, is I was just paying attention when they did the reissue of it. But... Um, that just got exhausting and it was like the process of trying to get them was becoming less enjoyable than the end result of actually getting them. And then when you're dealing with toy shows, you're also dealing with, you know, this is, here's the masterpiece Starscream figure that hasn't been available for two years. And now it's three times the price of what it would have been if I'd bought it when it was on a store shelf at some point. So, um, I think it's fair to say the fatigue was starting to set in then. And it's it's cool to see that stuff in the wild and kind of hold it in your hand and go, wow, yeah, this is, this is cool. I've never actually seen this before. But then the reality of like, okay, well, I'm going to spend, what, $300 US on this, which is X number of dollars Canadian, and then I've still got to figure out how to get it home. And it's it's going to burden us down during the rest of our actual activities that day and all that other stuff, right? So, um yeah, it really is. And it's just like, it's like I said, priorities just change. Like I'm really trying not to buy a lot of stuff in general right now because we're trying to save for a down payment on a house. And that kind of trumps everything to me right now. Like I, I'm more interested in that than I am, you know, having. No, you want Omega Supreme more than you want a house. Well, I don't have Omega Supreme yet. So that's apparently yet. not true. Yet. 
<laughs> I can almost live in the Devastator box from my uh, Combiner Wars Devastator. So, I mean, they're getting big enough that that might substitute at some point. But it's, uh, yeah, it's just, it, it, like I said, it's, re it's really all it is. And it's not that it's, uh, it's just that's what's important to me now. And uh, you 30 bucks here and there for the sake of getting another piece of plastic to sit on a shelf gathering dust just isn't worth the trade-off to me. For easy, easy. Yeah. Come on, you're... That's that deep. Me, oh my goodness. Well, Jay, I'm gonna turn it to you now to play devil's advocate for everybody uh, that that's listening because I think I think we need to spin this back towards some collecting love. Jay, what would it take for you to stop collecting? Because like I mentioned with Jordan, when you pick up a figure, uh, boom, I see all of a sudden you transform back, you know, to the little kid, you know, checking out the, the figure, ready to go on an adventure, having playtime again. Would you ever stop collecting, and under what circumstances would would that lead to, and would it ever be permanent? Well, probably not. Um, again, I would have to say that talking about action figures and toys, all that stuff again ties to my childhood and to the way I was brought up, and ties to my mom. So all these series I've said before, they hold a special place in my heart. They always will. That's just never going to, that's never going to go away. So having these all over the place are, are different pieces of, how do I say it? <laughs> just say it, you know, it's different pieces of my mom and different memories I have. That's never going to go away. Um, every place and, you know, all three of you guys know every place I've ever lived has just been covered in this stuff, you know? That's my art. That's, you know, I would rather have a, a framed Star Wars poster than, you know, traditional art. That's just who I've always been. I remember telling my mom when I was, you know, a teenager, Mom, when I get my place, you know, it's going to be Star Wars all over the place and G.I. Joe toys. Oh, that's ridiculous. You can't live like that. No one's going to want to come over. You're weird. I'm weird, yeah, but that's what I certainly did. Um, I don't see it ending, man. I've, I've been burnt out. I've stopped collecting some lines. Um, and I actually wanted to, if I could ask Jordan really quickly, what you think about the normal price for figures now, uh, first off, they're now six inch is the common uh, measurement for the figures. They're $29. Yeah, that, that seems pretty hard. <clears throat> like, I was just thinking about, you know, other points where I questioned what, what I was doing, whether I was going to carry on. And it's kind of related to that. The cost of this stuff now, because of the cost of plastics, is getting pretty. Is getting to be a pretty big barrier for most people that aren't filthy rich. And um, so, yeah, again, priorities. It, it might not be that you've fallen out of love with it, but you just have to realize that your life is not going to be able to support the kind of collecting that you would love to be able to do, just because of the cost of it. Thirty bucks for an action figure. Yeah. Now, I, I can. The, the, tra the transition for comic books the same way, right? Comic books are having a hard time finding young uh, young followers right now because there's so much damn money. Like you can buy a comic book for five bucks, but I can remember the transition from twenty five to thirty five cents and feeling that because now I could I couldn't get four for a buck anymore. Yeah. Again, I'm I'm super old, but it's the same thing now. So stuff like that is a factor and uh, the spec market started to really hurt and bruise my ability to enjoy. Cause that this was when I was inside the store running my stores and I would see guys my age come in, sweep in with tons of money and buy up 
case lots or just cherry pick out of freshly opened cases. They'd hover around the the uh, the warehouse door, you know, the storage room door, and as yeah. soon as they brought out a fresh case, they'd raid it. And that kind of broke my heart. I get what they're doing, but I would much rather see these toys get into the hands of kids than collectors that are just driving the price up artificially and, and ruining, you know, a kid's chance of fairly getting a hold of one. I, you know, if if it were all even and everybody were playing fair game, then that's great. But I, that bothered me. So when I was running my toy stores, I would actively work against speculators like that that would try to come in and get stuff. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to touch on Glenn's point too, if I could, uh, about how you said the masterpiece transformers were always exclusive to whatever store, right? That's something that I'm also getting really tired of. And again, I collect way too many lines so it, that's on me but i'm tired of target exclusives and walmart exclusives and online amazon exclusives it's it's exhausting man to keep up to all this and there's people that do this for a full-time job scalpers and resellers and stuff like that right so they have bots and i don't know how that crap works yeah. but it's just like and then you know i just want to get storm shadow because he's my favorite character yep it's like getting pearl jam tickets now it's literally impossible to do so that's starting to wear on me, to be honest. It's yeah. it's the exclusivity is not the part that bothers me. What bothers me is I have the money, just let me buy it. That, that's all I want to do. Like, yeah, it's if if anybody tried to get a PlayStation Five or an Xbox Series X this Christmas, you know what it's like trying to get one of those things online. Now, just imagine that being literally everything that comes out, every it, product in the line. It's yeah. that's what the experience is like, and it's just like. That's not enjoyable to me anymore. It's like if I've got 80 bucks and I want to drop it on a high priced dolly, it's like, just let me do it. <laughs> yeah. And let me order it through the website and let me get it. And why do I have to, you know, I don't know. Why do I have to set my alarm and pack a lunch and hope to hell that I'm going to get this thing? It's just, it's yeah, just exhausting. As much as I, I clearly love going out and hunting for this stuff, it's, it's fun. I don't like hunting for that stuff. And Jordan, to go back to your point about the comic books, Figures are really becoming like that. There's, you know, comics would be the 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 variant covers and stuff. You know, they started to do all that stuff in the '90s, and oh, with man. figures now, yeah. it's like there's Cobra Commander from the six inch line. Then there's a light blue Cobra Commander. Then there's a Cobra Commander that's twenty dollars more with just a, a few more accessories. It's like, yeah, I don't I don't want to do that. It's like when comics went, you know, here's the number yeah. one collector special edition with the foil logo on it after the yeah, Batman craze and the McFarlane Spider-Man yeah. craze. Anything with collector's edition stamped on it, you have to buy it. And so now we're getting the Target exclusive, you know, variant packaging and extra accessory. And all if you're a collector, you got to have it because you got to collect them all. Yeah, some of it's happening at the manufacturing level. Some of it's happening at the retailer level. And those exclusives are... They originally were designed to combat um, the big chains that had enough sway to be able to sell things at a loss, right? The term loss leader. Yeah. They'd have so much credit with the manufacturer that they could actually make a profit by selling things below their cost because they would work credit back with that manufacturer and never lose any money doing that. So the smaller retailers were freaking out and they said, well, we're not going to do business with you anymore unless you do something to compensate for that. And then they would say, okay, well, we'll give you an exclusive that only you've got so you don't have to worry about the competition between you and those other chains that can give them away for nothing. And as an independent toy retailer, that was a 
that was a real son of a bitch situation. Like selling, uh, buying Hot Wheels cars at a rate of something like 90 cents a piece and then having to sell them for under a buck to be competitive. Yeah, that's crazy. But, yeah. but it's all these big companies are getting exclusives. It's just like, it's so disgusting. You know, it's Amazon and Target and Walmart. And so, you know, stores it like us. It toys are stores like Heroes, you know. I mean, they get it like last, last if they even get it. And yeah. I, I hate to see that kind of stuff, man. It just so I try not to support that as much as I can. I'm not a fan of these exclusives. So we can talk about how we end collecting or exit it or don't really exit it in this in some cases ever truly, because I think we've all said it is a bit of an obsession, a disease at some point where it's always inherent in our DNA and it's hard to escape and we can keep it at bay for a while. But there's been a few things that Jordan and myself and Glenn have articulated the the price point, the the physical haul of moving stuff from place to place and uh, in keeping up with it all. Jay, how do you battle the fatigue, the fact you'd have to move and, and the price to to stay into it? So let's make it positive since you're in it for the long haul. You're not mm -hmm. going to get out of it. How do you battle fatigue, the sheer act of moving and, and keeping in the game? I've never been at a point – well, Rob, you know one point in my life where I was at a point where I really didn't have money, right? The tomb. Like like, like much money, yeah. Was, anyway. <laughs> but I've never been in a position where buying the stuff that I collect has stopped me from, like Glenn said, traveling or doing any other things. If it got into that, I think there would be a serious problem. But it's never gone that far. So um, if I sold this stuff – I would just want to go and buy different stuff of that. You know, I want the flag in my house. I want to look at Luke Skywalker every day. Like that's just, it's never going to go away, man. That's to me, it's, it's art, right. And it's memories and it's, that's a powerful combination. Going to switch it over to the Q and a section. We've had a lot of questions come in the chat, which is great because we didn't have a lot of questions sent to us this week from our Patreon backers. I did want to give a shout out to Tim Nathan, Kevin, Bill, Matt, Jay, Danny, Ryan, Chris, Scott, Billy, Kyle, and Adam, who are the the lieutenant generals of our of our big Patreon armada that is being amassed to support what we do. You know, we we love you guys. We really appreciate the support. We've been messaging back and forth. It's it's kind of me that manages all that stuff, and Jay and I talk about what to do off the record. You of course get an extra bonus episode of the Jay and Rob Toy Show every month, and this month we hit another goal in Patreon, so you got to see some uh -huh. extra stuff. You got to see some raw footage of collecting day one at Heroes and Jay going through the store and what that was like day one going through his mind and of course a good look at our hometown headquarters of heroes so if you want to kind of check out that stuff go to our patreon page it's a dollar to join for an extra hour of entertainment plus other goodies that the whole community is helping you bring uh let's get to some of the the questions in, in chat here up earlier we had danny who said i went through all my stuff after action figure adventure kickstarter since we asked him to film some of his favorite things and he has since found a renewed interest in it not so much buying more but following along with what's going on in the community also buying more, but just a little. It helps being stuck home a lot with plenty of time to be online. Um, yeah, it's addictive. Once you start getting into it, it's like, okay, well, maybe I'll just buy this. And then maybe I'll just buy this. But just this, the illusion yeah. of focus, right? Yeah. I think it's, Jordan, you said, you know, you wanted just the oddity characters like Road Pig and, and uh, Big Big Boa or something like that, right? Uh, the Bib Fortuna, you know, you're, you're into those things. 
Uh, Nathan wants to know, is scalping an issue in the toy collecting like it is with PS5 and Xbox? We're seeing some major head nods from Jordan and Glenn. I think See, that's your yeah. answer. Scalping is an issue in everything. Yeah, it, it really is in every aspect of that. It's yeah. There's always scalpers. There's always people. We talked about this before, Rob. So I don't want to retread old territory. You know, I mean, if that's what you want to do with your time, then go ahead and do that. I, I certainly don't support it. I'm with Jordan, where I can understand what it's like to bring a fresh case of Joes out or whatever. You want to put them on the pegs because you want to see the joy of a bunch of different people and the excitement. And there was just one guy standing there. He's like, yep, I'll take the box. It doesn't even hit the pegs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tommy, uh, who makes an appearance in Action Figure Adventure, uh, wants to know if uh, us gentlemen prefer direct-to-customer like Super 7 or something like a HasLab crowdfunder compared to, I guess, competing with Target exclusives or other things that are hard to find. For me, if it's online and I'm buying it anyways, it really doesn't matter where I find it. It's about do I feel comfortable paying eBay exclusive prices that double what retail should be or if I'm just comfy paying Super 7 or Big Bad and waiting for a year and a half for the thing to come, which I think is more the drain uh, compared to you know, something that's a little bit more broad. Jay, where's your preference lie? I like what Glenn said. You know, He just wants to get it. I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the same. I'm the same way. It doesn't. It doesn't really matter to me. I don't want the stress of waking up at nine thirty in the morning and it's like lining up to get Pearl Jam tickets, where there's a slight chance that you're even going to get. I missed that though. I feel like I had a better chance relying on the untrained employee at Sunrise mm, no, Records. No, no. I mean tickets. online. I mean online. I'm talking about like buying this stuff online. Gotcha. Um, the old school way of getting tickets, of course, is great, but. Um, yeah, I just want to get it, man. I don't care where it is. And as much as I love the hunt with these exclusives, I don't like the stress. That's that's a real wear. Uh, Mark wants to know, are we going to stay within Ontario for the show or are we going to expand? I, I assume you mean season two. And let me address a couple things with that. First, Mark, thanks for reaching out and sending a very nice message. We shared it on our page. Your love and action figure adventure. You found it randomly. Very kind of you to follow along as it has its exclusive premiere on Jinx Esports TV in Canada. We are looking for an American home. Everybody is wondering what's going on. Where can I see it? The good news is if you are in America or another country and you want it on, say, something like a Netflix, Netflix in particular has a request a title feature. You can actually write them and ask them to stock the title that you want. So if you want Action Figure Adventure Season 1 on Netflix, you can make some noise. Tweet at them, comment at them, hashtag at them, go to their URL to request a feature, and they will maybe see enough noise and traffic and, and reach out for it. It all helps us bring the show to you. Now, for your specific question, uh, Season 1 goes outside of Ontario. You may not have discovered that yet from where you are in the broadcast run. But Season 2, we have very big, ambitious plans uh, that would include a cross-country Canada trip, and the four corners of the U.S. We are putting together uh, a package for season two right now. We've been talking to people with people literally today to see if they want to be on board uh, as participants for interviews, and we're we're plotting. So hopefully, season one gets picked up internationally very soon, and we can tell you where everybody else can watch it, and that allows us to do season two and uh, reach further goals and places, and you know. And big in the community. 
for all you Simpson fans out there and uh, really raise some good cash for, for the kids because that's what this is all about. We've already got some cool sponsors lined up for Season 2 and we're looking for more. So if you want to be a sponsor of Action Figure Adventure Season 2, reach out to me. We can always make that happen. You, know, I, you won't need a lot lawyer to get it done. <laughs> you know a good one, though. I, I got a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I got a good one. I'll send you to Mr. Morris. Um, I've got two questions that I came up with. Um, since we have Jordan and Glenn here, I thought I would, I, I'll go with this one. Uh, we've seen Transformers crossover with Top Gun, Back to the Future, and Ghostbusters in the past year. So there's been a Transformer DeLorean, a Transformer Ecto-1, and a Transformer uh, F-14, I think, from Top Gun. What other franchises could be, could get the Autobot Decepticon treatment that are, that are well-known movie brands? And don't say Wonder Woman's invisible jet. Invisible just, just, just an empty box. <laughs> uh, Come on, boys. That's easy. Come on. What other movie franchises could be transformified? Oh, Fast and the Furious, easily. Okay, you're, thanks for coming out, Jordan. We'll see you later. <laughs> Glenn, what do you think? <laughs> what do you want? Uh, you hit your shows. You can do any of the Star Wars vehicles. You can do. Any they've already. They've actually already done Star Wars. Yeah, they have they? Okay. Line, yeah. I'm. Uh, I'm not into those things at all. So I mean, that might be impeding my thought process too. I'm not. I'm not big on the crossover figures. Well, let's pretend you're a marketing executive Hasbro, and you've got to come up with a big idea for the boardroom to cross sell Transformers with another billion dollar box office juggernaut. What's the figure gonna be, Stan Buck? Oh, well, obviously Marvel then, I guess. It's got to oh. be Marvel, Marvel Transformers. So what's it going to be, like the Fantastic Car that transforms, or what's oh, it going to be? Captain America and Optimus Prime combined into one figure. Okay, okay, Optimus America. Standing like for it. truth, justice, and... Uh, but there's no, like, iconic of, Marvel the right of all sentient. I don't, I don't recall that. I'm, like, I would say, like, the Batmobile would be a good transforming thing, for example. Because it's an iconic vehicle, like the other ones that we're talking about. The uh, X Men's uh, Blackbird. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Sure. No. Wait. Did they do that? I think that was one. I think well, that was another one they announced. Fantastic well, car. That's pretty obvious. They haven't done the Fantastic car on screen yet, but uh, or not the way it appeared in the books, anyway. You got Chris from Treehouse Collectibles watching. He's saying the A Team van. Sure. Why not? Except it's a cold franchise, so they'll never do it. Yeah, but that's a cool vehicle to transform. That's you know it. what's you know what's not cold? The Hoff. So the they Hoff. should do Kit, man. Chris, you stole my idea. I said it first. Yeah. <laughs> I said M Michael Knight and Kit. There you go. <laughs> We're trying to bring that back again right now as we speak. So it may yet happen. You know, which one, you know which one they won't bring back? And that's a transforming General Lee. I think they would never, ever. That whole concept of Dukes of Hazard is getting buried no matter what the culture of collectors are. No, it's gone. Absolutely gone forever. Sorry to say. <clears throat> um, yeah. So anything with wheels, obviously, is is doable. Whatever. That's why I was saying, you know, like the Fast and the Furious, because they're throwing new cars at it all the time. I'm surprised it's not an ongoing line. Yeah, but, but as a you're the car guy, I couldn't tell you one car in in that whole series that's iconic and going, oh, I need the Fast and Furious cars. Dom's Charger, <laughs> the first one. Oh man. Who? What? Hey, because you haven't seen it. What about what about the Nintendo Quest? Man? I want the fastest, most furious car there is. 
Yeah, more faster, furious. more furious. It's angry. What I wanted when I was collecting Transformers is I wanted vintage American cars. I wanted old cars from the 50s. Like I had a story in my head that I wrote that was about the first wave of Transformers that crashed on Earth and that they would uh, find them and discover them later on. And those vehicles or those Transformers had taken on the shapes of cars from the 50s and then would now get resurrected and join up with the modern ones. That's the line that I wanted more than anything else. Of course, nobody else gave a shit, but that's the kind of thing that I was dreaming of. What about like Airwolf? Can we get Airwolf as a Transformer? Nah, we'll be fine. Okay. We'll be just fine. There you go. Yeah. Like, who knows? <clears throat> Nobody right. knows what the hell Airwolf is anymore. A helicopter. Well, I know what it is. I mean, the show. Joe. Oh. And Michael Vincent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to bring this uh, discussion to a close. Gentlemen, do you have last thoughts to share on being quitters of the collecting game? Jordan, we'll go with you first. Time I help you buy a car. Um, <laughs> No, like I say, you don't really quit. You just move on to something else that's more manageable, perhaps. But I don't – I mean, there are people who just go monk-like and stop buying stuff. But I'm not entirely in that boat. Um, I just think you adapt, and you might look like you've exited, but I've still got stuff, just not as much stuff. that doesn't. It just doesn't make me as happy as it used to. I'm more like um, helping other people get their stuff now than, than getting it for me. Um, and one comment on the Rattler, by the way, I'm remembering this from the intro. Jay was talking about the Rattler, that it was some old-timey World War II jet. Dear, holy cow, man, that was an A-10 Thunderbolt II Warthog with a 30-millimeter rotary cannon on it. That thing is a tank killer. When I saw that on the shelves, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. It's a wicked jet. Wicked. Jordan, <laughs> thanks for coming out. Thanks for being part of all our adventures. Um, <laughs> Glenn, Glenn, what are your last thoughts on, on uh, your process to move into the quitter territory? Uh, really just something I was going to say earlier where I, I, I think Jay feels a little bit attacked because I'm talking about like, oh, well, you know, it's just not a priority to me. And well, right now. Attacked? What, and what are you talking about? It's, it's, Why uh, yeah. do you feel attacked? We're all scarves. What's wrong, boys? Uh, Getting a little hot under the collar there? I've, yeah, been hot, I've been hot under the collar for an hour. Um, <laughs> it's uh, the fact is everybody collects something. Everybody, um, even if you don't see it as a collection, I've there's a wall of DVDs to my immediate right that all belong to my girlfriend. Folks, that's a collection. Sure. You might not deem it as such, but it is. I've got books over here. It's it, it's always something. It could be Christmas ornaments, teddy bears, whatever. So every everybody collects something. <laughs> Uh, and if it, if it is toys and that's your thing, then fantastic. I, I wish you all the best. It's just that for me right now, that's, that's not a thing anymore. Well, we're not friends anymore. You wish well, is that it? <laughs> wish you all the best. Let's steal it. Okay. Bye. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'll, well, I'll see you. All right. Well, Jay, I'll give you the last word. And what's the piece of advice that you'll give everybody who is thinking about quitting and is on the fence? How are you going to keep them in, in the sickness, the pool of despair? That we call collecting. How are you going to keep them going? Oh, I think Hasbro and Mattel have got you pretty good. I don't think I have to say much. Uh, if it ceases to bring you joy, then just stop doing and it. Keep going, regardless it, of how it, you feel. Bury those feelings. Ignore them. That psychological bury mind. Them down. And like, like Bill Burr says, put them on another shelf of anger that you can explode at your wife for later, your girlfriend or whatever. Um, 
No, man, if if it's killing you financially, especially, you know, Brahm says this, like you can't put food on the table and you can't go on trips to, and I don't know where you're going, but whatever. Uh, Nowhere right <laughs> now. That's the problem. Um, don't do it anymore, guys. Just uh, move on or focus it into one thing. I saw someone said that earlier, focus it. I can't. That's impossible. But just stop, man. It's, it doesn't make you happy. Then don't do it anymore. Well, that will do it for our show. We're a few minutes over, but I think it were a few minutes well worth spending. I want to thank my guests, uh, Glenn and Jordan, for taking the time post-holidays to chat with us. Jordan, where can people find you if they want to seek you out to be their car salesman and helper? No, nowhere. <clears throat> nowhere? Okay. I'm fully retired from that nonsense. We'll see. Nobody ever quits. Uh, Glenn, where can people find you? Ideally, nowhere. No. <laughs> my god awful guests wow you can find me spending my days at tiny titan studios making video games uh and you can find me on twitter at analog spirit thanks for having me jay where can people find you jay where can we where can we find you on youtube you can find me i am an exorcist named jay bartlett and i make videos about uh cleansing people's spirits and all that. No, I'm the other uncool one on YouTube and I play with toys and uh, check it out. It's a lot of fun. And social media, it's just my name. No fancy nicknames, just Jay Bartlett. You're Jay Bartlett underscore Scarf Lord. Hey, we didn't get to see the figure you're going to do the review on. Well, we're running a little bit late. Damn it. But you have to tune in next time or what? Unfortunately, we're going to have to tune in next time. Jay, do, you have your, do you have your figure Maybe handy? Switch. I, I do. I'll do it really quick. Okay, show me your figure. It's Jordan. It's one of Jordan's uh, favorites from one of Jordan's favorite movies. I thought you said it with Jordan. It's a Jordan figure. Yeah, I wish. Well, it kind of resembles him a little bit. But Jordan, I got uh, this guy just came out. You see that? Oh my god! See no. that, buddy? No. See that, buddy? I Jar Jar. <clears throat> Jordan, th this is the part you're really gonna like because he comes with this shield. Are you ready for this? He's forty four ninety nine. Does and, it come I, with and I bought this. No, it doesn't come with a hammer. He comes with accessories. He should come with anyway, but because the package is a little bit longer, he has this shield here from the end of the movie. Forty-four ninety-nine, and dumb, dumb, dummy me bought it. I just wanted to show you guys that. I hate myself. I'm disappointed in myself. All right, Jay. Jay, pick a number. One, two, three, four, five, six. Three. Oh, you're going to love this. This is kind of a lot reveal because none of these figures, oh, they're not even worth much on their own, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, no. So. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is that? So these. <laughs> Tracy. These are Dick Tracy. I like, know what it is, but it's. But look at this. <laughs> That's my favorite right there. He's like Dick Tracy and flat top. See, what? this is what happens. I got all excited when I got the blank. <laughs> and, well, we've talked about toy regrets. Wow. So, <laughs> thankfully, these, these only cost $30 total, and which means I've only spent $30 more than they're worth. They all just but, like kind of went limp in your hand. That was hilarious. <laughs> it's just like my excitement level for them. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Who made those things? Uh, well, you know, the wonderful company known by Applause. You've oh, yeah. heard of Applause, right? <laughs> I, applause. Haven't, 
I carry the plaza in my toy stores. I know a plaza. Why did your toy store go under? <laughs> uh, you want to get into the financials of it? Sure. I'm guessing it had to do with stocking too much applause. <laughs> no, no, it did not. Rob, uh, those yeah. are spectacularly awful. I'm I glad did. you approved, Jay. I'm glad you approved. Oh, Jordan, wow. Did you have anything to show off, Jordan? Was that Mumbles? Uh, just... Uh, Doc, there he is. The Velociraptor. The yeah. king of the rat creatures, King Doc. He's cool, man. I like him. I had no idea who that is. He's from Bones. He's pretty oh. cool. Yeah. Smith, graphic novels, highly awarded. Eagles. Bones? Bones, singular. Like the David Boreanaz show? Yes. Like procedural drama? This is I don't remember him. Yeah, yeah. That's Boreanaz right there. Glenn, who's your big figure? Is it the one who's been staring at us? I've got uh, I've got my masterpiece Grimlock uh, from Toys R Us, who I camped out to get. Uh, but actually, I also brought one of the last things I got. Actually, one of the last figures I actually purchased. This is uh, one of the the Walmart G1 reissue uh, Star Screams. Oh, that's wicked, man! Uh, Very cool. These these are super cool. I was really excited to see these, and I never had a chance to actually get a G1 Starscream the first time around, so it was a big deal to me to actually get him. But I've got a couple of those, but the Starscream definitely holds a special place in my heart. Well, thanks for jogging our mind and putting that segment in because clearly it had entertainment value. So, <laughs> again, subscribe to Jay on Twitter, on YouTube. He's not the exorcist, though the exorcist does have 1,700 subs, and we're going to get him on the show. That's the goal for 2021. We're going to get the exorcist Jay Bartlett on the show to talk with us about toys and how he used to play yes. and if he still does. Um, you can find me at Robin Zob on Twitter and on TikTok and on social media, all the action figure adventure stuff. Make sure you're watching Action Figure Adventure on Jinx Esports TV exclusively in Canada. Got some exciting episodes coming up. Episode 5 is dropping for everybody in Canada. It's a big one. We thank you for your support and watching it and thank you for checking out the Jay and Rob Toy Show with our special guests, Jordan and Glenn. Join our Patreon. And as we always say at the end of every episode, for the love of toys, for the love of toys, take care of yourself and each other. Goodbye. It's Jerry Springer. It's us now. <laughs>